0: who it says I am I can do what it says I can do I can be who it says I can be and I will have what it says I can have today I will hear the word of God I boldly declare that my mind is alert my heart is receptive my ears are open, ears are open. And, I and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your people. And I pray in Jesus' name that we, you will use me to feed them the manna of your word. I thank you that our hearts are open, our minds are ready, and we are totally receptive to the Holy Spirit. As I decrease now, I ask you to increase. And as I step back, I ask you to step forward so that when words come out of my mouth, they won't be words of a man, they'll be words from God. And each person here will leave this place spiritually empowered, knowing that they have heard from God. And I thank you that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow their lives as we are obedient to what we hear. Encourage us, change us, and transform us in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen and Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I'm so excited this morning because I I have an opportunity to actually minister a shotgun message. Everybody, Everybody say a shotgun message. Now, let me explain what a shotgun message is. Normally, I teach series messages, or uh, in, uh, in other words, messages that relate to a series. But because I'm in between series, I have an opportunity now to share uh, a message that's just from my heart that God's put in there. And so it's a shotgun message. So look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, Amen. you better put on your bulletproof vest because it's coming. Amen. And I believe the message that I'm sharing today will position you to receive God's best at all times. I also believe that it will help you expose Satan's number one tool that he uses to defeat the average believer. And the goal of today's message is to help you and I identify how persecution works so that you and I can increase manifestation in our lives. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write down today's topic, and it is overcoming persecution. Overcoming persecution. And I want you to open your heart and get ready to move forward in an accelerated way because I believe I'm going to share some things about persecution that you probably didn't know. So I want you to turn your Bibles to john chapter 15 verses 20 john fifteen twenty, and then i want you to put a ribbon in second timothy chapter 3 verses 12 i'll say those again the first scripture we're going to turn to is john chapter 15 verses 20 and then secondly we're going to go to second timothy chapter 3 verses 12 And before we read those passages of Scripture, I want to destroy a myth. Everybody say, a myth. And a myth is something that seems to be true, but it's really false. And I want to destroy a myth about persecution that I believe most believers believe. I believe the biggest myth regarding persecution is that if we live right and do right most of the time, We will never experience persecution or difficulty in our lives. How many know that's a lie? Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lie. Now look at them again and say, are you calling me a lie? I'm going to say it again. The biggest myth regarding persecution is that if we just live right and do right most of the time, We will never experience persecution or difficulty in our lives and unfortunately, the opposite of that is actually true. In John chapter 15, are you in John chapter 15? John chapter 15 verse 20, we're going to read that verse but before we read it, I want to define the word persecution in the Bible. It has two main Words in the bible that defines persecution and so it's defined as to make one run to make you run to make you flee or to put to flight the word persecution also means to harass to trouble or to accuse and in a religious sense the word persecution means to trouble one who is striving toward a spiritual goal. So I need you to broaden your thinking about what persecution means because it doesn't just mean someone harassing you or someone just talking about you. It actually means, it means uh, in a religious sense, uh, something that will trouble you from striving toward a spiritual goal. And so many people wonder why when they start making certain spiritual, spiritual commitments to God, they wonder why things start going wrong in their life. Well, one of the reasons is because persecution is trying to stop you from striving toward that goal. So in John chapter 15 verse 20, These are the words of Jesus. He says, remember the words that I said to you. Let me stop right there. If he says, remember, that means we can forget. He says, remember the words that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. He says, if they have what? Persecuted me. They are going to what? Persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Now remember, we've defined the word persecution uh, and I'm going to read it with the definition in there. What he was saying is, if they have persecuted, troubled me as I achieve my spiritual purpose, then they are going to persecute and trouble you as you achieve your spiritual purpose in other words he's saying when you start moving toward my will for your life you're gonna experience some trouble but see the good thing about it is at the end of the fight if we outlast the devil we will win amen, amen. now go now to second three. timothy chapter 3 second timothy chapter 3 we're gonna look in verse 12 It says, yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, read it with me, shall suffer persecution. If you are striving in one way or another to follow Jesus Christ and to live in a godly way, you and I are going to suffer persecution. Now you say, well, I'm glad I'm not following Jesus. Well, what you don't know is the devil ain't gonna mess with you. Cause if he does, you're gonna get saved and he's gonna now, it, that'll keep you out of hell. So you know what? He says, I ain't gonna mess with them. And so you say, well, at least I'm not gonna suffer persecution. You're gonna suffer persecution anyway. Because how many know people talk about you? When I became a pastor, I had thick skin because you have to have thick skin to be a pastor. You know why? Because people talk about you. They have you for lunch, breakfast and dinner. Oh yeah, people talk. Listen, if I rode about, if I chose to not even own a car and buy a bicycle, and decided to ride that bicycle. Everywhere I go, I'm in the rain riding a bicycle. Do you know some of y'all and some people out there be talking about me? Look at him. He a pastor. And he seems like he got a big church. And he riding a bicycle. I ain't going to that church. But then if I decide to ride in a nice car, I'm on, they going to talk about me then. Look at him. Riding a nice car. He probably stealing all the church's money. I ain't going to that church. Well, they're going to talk about me if I ride a bicycle and they're going to talk about me if I have a nice car. Well, I might as well be in comfort while you talk about me. (laughs) Because people are going to talk about you. People are going to persecute you and you have to learn just like I have learned to use persecution to your advantage. Amen. Amen. So it sounds like, to me, persecution comes with the Christian package. How many now can agree with that? All right, so let's now look at some ways on how to overcome persecution. Now, here's the first point that I want you to write down. I have three points. I did not make it through all three points in the first service, and so I know I'm not going to make it through on this, this service, so I'm going to do my best. But here's the first point that I want you to write down. Persecution has a purpose. Persecution has a purpose. Now, remember, persecution means to make one flee. To put one to flight, to harass, to trouble, to accuse. It also means to trouble you from striving toward a spiritual goal. So persecution has a purpose. And here is my summation. You can let it demote you or you can use it to promote you. I want you to write that down. You can let persecution demote you. Or you can use it to promote you. Now here's a take-home statement that I want you to write down. You probably won't be able to do it because I'm talking fast. But you can go to the podcast. You can go to the phone app. Or you can purchase the CD today. And you can rehear it. But listen to this. The purpose for persecution is to steal the word that you have heard so it won't take root and bear fruit. I'm going to say that again. The purpose for persecution is to steal the word that you have heard so it won't take root and bear some fruit. Amen. The devil does not want God's word to sit in your heart long enough to produce some some roots because anything that develops roots is going to eventually develop some fruit. And so the enemy's job is to use persecution to intimidate, to frustrate, or eliminate you from obeying God's word in your life and fulfilling his purpose for your life. But God wants to use the persecution to promote you and to prosper you. So on one end, the devil wants to use it to intimidate me and then to, to frustrate me. But over here, God wants to use it to prosper me and promote me. So guess what? I'm in the middle to determine which side of the coin I'm going to allow persecution to push me because I'm in control of that. Amen. Now go to Acts chapter 8. Go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, if you would. Acts 8. We're going to look now in verse 1. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Here's the point. Persecution has a purpose. In Acts chapter 8, look in verse 1. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at the time, there was a great what? Come on, class. There was a great what? A great persecution against who? Against the church which was at Jerusalem. Now watch this now. Because persecution is designed to push you forward or to push you backwards. It says, and they were all, what class? Scattered. And see, the devil wants, he wants to use persecution to scatter you. But Jesus wants to use persecution to gather you. He says they were all scattered, but watch this now. They were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Read this boy with me. Except the apostles. I wonder why the apostles weren't able to be scattered. I believe they weren't able to be scattered because they had a living witness and an experience with Jesus that the rest of them didn't have. I believe that time that they had spent with him the three years when he was here on the earth realm and then they saw him being raised from the dead. They had it and then Thomas said, I'm not even going to believe that he that's you unless I can just touch the, the nail prints in your hand and he got a chance to do that. And Jesus said, listen, blessed are those who believe without seeing. So the apostles Had an experience. In other words, they had the living word inside of them. And when you have the living word on the inside of you, persecution won't scatter you. Here it is. God has blessed you with this job and you letting one person yapping at the lips, one person accusing you, one person persecuting you. And now you thinking about changing jobs. Why are you letting one person move you from where God has put you? When are you going to realize that if God is for you, who in the world can be against you? When are you going to realize that the greater one lives inside of me? The Bible puts it like this. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That means anything dead outside of me has to come to life because I have the living power of God on the inside. And when you understand that, you won't allow it to scatter you. Now, in, just write it down. In Acts chapter 20, verses 22, Paul said, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He said, Except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. He says, But none of these things move me. Paul learned the secret to persecution. He learned not to let it move him. Because, see, the devil knows whatever he can do to cause you to stop moving forward toward a spiritual goal, whatever he can do to make you stop doing that, he's going to do it, even if it's your car breaking down. Your car breaking down and you go backwards spiritually. Here it is. I've been going to church for three weeks now. I done gave the Lord some of my tithe money and here it is. My car done broke down. If he, if he know, if he knows that that car breaking down is going to push you backwards spiritually, your car going to break down. Paul said, you know what? I'm not going to let that move me. So my question is what moves you? Because whatever moves you is what he's going to use against you. Man, don't flinch when the devil do stuff in your life. Don't flinch. When I was growing up and you had a fight, man, you better not flinch. See, I was little when I was growing up, so I had to have people to fight for me. Everybody that was around me was overweight and big. And you'd have thought, man, I could fight because I walked around like, hey, you better not mess with me. you like, look at this little dude. What is he doing? Oh, I had some backup. What is making you move? Because whatever makes you move, whatever makes you go backwards spiritually is what the devil is going to try to use in your life. So persecution is bigger than somebody talking to you. It's bigger than somebody harassing you. It actually ties into what can make you go backwards. What can make you stop tithing? He'll do it. What will make you stop being loving in your marriage? He'll make you start doing it. Everybody say persecution Persecution. Has has a purpose. Amen. Now, when, and here's the part, I need you to get this. We are the body of Christ, the Bible says, and members in particular. All of us make up the church. And Jesus Christ is the head of the body. Do you all agree with me on that? Okay, so if I'm connected to the body of Christ as a member and I'm experiencing persecution, it's not just me experiencing persecution. It's Jesus experiencing persecution. And let me say something about Jesus. Jesus don't take persecution lightly. Now, if you read, you can just write this down. Read Acts chapter 9 verse 4. This is when Saul was persecuting the church. And it says, and he fell to the earth and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul was not persecuting Jesus directly. He was actually persecuting the people of, God, of Christ. So, but, but Jesus saw it as a personal matter. In fact, go over now to uh, go to go to uh, Acts chapter seven. Go to Acts chapter seven. Let me show you this. Go to Acts chapter seven. See, when you know that when you're going through persecution, you're not by yourself, you can go through it. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not staying in the valley. I'm walking through it. He says, I will fear no evil because God is with me. In Acts chapter 7, look in verse 54. Let me show you Jesus' reaction to persecution. He says, and this was Stephen when they were stoning Stephen. He says in verse 54, when they heard this thing, these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on Stephen with their teeth. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven and he saw the glory of God. And Jesus was what? He, was, he wasn't sitting at the throne of God. Jesus, when, when, when Stephen was going through this persecution, Jesus stood up. It said he saw him standing on the right hand of God. And this is the first... Uh place in the Bible where we read Jesus was standing at the right hand of God because the Bible says he sits at the right hand of God making intercession for us so when we're going through a persecuting situation you gotta know you're not by yourself greater is he who's with you than he that's in the world he's standing up making sure actually he's he's saying oh I know they can do it because I'm on the inside of them oh I know that I can do it they can do it because the greater one is in them oh I know they can do it because I'm for them so who can be against them you gotta know he's standing up for you you don't have to stand up for yourself cause see I I see some of y'all I see some of y'all right now writing emails to your boss trying to explain the lie that somebody else told when you really know you ain't do it you ain't gotta worry about all that cause see let me tell you something about Judas he always hangs himself And some of you are right now being persecuted on, and you're trying to prove yourself right when you don't have to. Because, first of all, Jesus sees it, and God ain't going to stand for it. Amen. So persecution has a purpose. Here's number two, and this we're going to stop right here. Persecution has a process. Everybody say, Persecution. Has a process. Now let me tell you what the process is. Persecution starts on the outside. With the goal of working its way on the inside. See, stuff happens to us outside of us. But the goal of persecution is not to stay outside of you, but to get inside of you. Amen. In fact, go to Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter 4. Quickly, go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Let me show you this. Because... Some of you all need to learn how to guard the word that you hear. Because, see, the devil knows all he has to do is to get you home to your spouse that didn't even go to church. And as soon as you get up in there, they ask you, a, I was going to say stupid, but I'm not going to say that. They would ask you a crazy question like, what are we going to eat? Well, you've been here. Like I cooked at church. <laughs> don't you have two hands? It's called Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so if you don't want to, you will let what he said or she said persecute you and everything you've heard today is gone away. Because the goal is to get the word out before it can produce some roots. Look in chapter 4 of Mark, look in verse 14. He said, the sower sows the word. I'm sowing the word to you right now. And he says in verse 17, or verse 16, and these are likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with joy. Man, you leave here feeling empowered. But then you have no root In yourself. And you so you endure for a little while. And then afterwards when affliction or what's the word, class? Persecution. It arises for what? Man, persecution ain't coming just because you get upset because your car broke down. Persecution is coming to get that word out of you. Because the word is what's going to produce life and fruit in your life. the Bible says God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path so if he can just get that word out there's no light and there's no lamp and you wonder why you feel lost it's because you haven't let that word settle inside of you man you got to put that word in you and you need to crockpot that word I know we don't use crock pots now y'all do Y'all country, that's why. <laughs> Man, everything is microwave. I even find myself, you know, I set it for five minutes and then at four minutes and 57 seconds, I stop it. I mean, I, what was three more seconds? But now I'm ready. I'm on it right now. But you got to let that word crock pot in your heart. You got to let it simmer. So when it's in there, it's in there. And it says here, persecution comes because of the word. And you want to know why some things are not going right in your life? Because the devil wants to use that to cause the word to come out of you. See, you got to reach a point where you committed to that word. See, there was a story about about two animals. One was a chicken. One was a pig. And both of them volunteered to give its master some breakfast. The chicken was happy. He was committed. He laid an egg. Gave his master some scrambled eggs. But the pig had to give some bacon. He was fully committed. You got to be fully committed. Come hell or high water, I ain't moving off this word. I don't care how sick I look. I'm going to confess what I believe. Now let me give you this real quick because here's a process of how it works. God will give you a promise. He'll give you a promise. And the promise comes from His Word. It may come through a prophetic word. Or the Spirit of God may put a dream or a desire on the inside of you. But it's all related to the Word. So, you know, if, if, if something tells you inside, oh, that's your husband and he already married, that ain't, that ain't the Spirit of God. <laughs> no. That's dirty flesh. That's all that is. <laughs> dirty flesh. Dirty flesh. So God will make you a promise. And then the next step is, our job is to make that promise now personal. You say, well, how do you make it personal? You make it personal by applying your faith to what God said. You say, well, pastor, how do I apply my faith? I'm glad you asked me. There are four things you got to do to apply your, fir- your faith. And here's the first thing. You have to intake the word. You cannot have faith for what God has not said. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? So when I hear the word, faith can come. So I have to first intake the word. How do you intake the word? By hearing the word like you're doing right now. But then the second step, after you intake the word, you have to now start meditating on the word. You do it in the flesh right now. Why can't you do it in the spirit? I mean, before you go off on somebody, you meditate on it first. The next time they say this to me, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. And I'm going to do this. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. That's what you got to do with the word. You got to meditate on it day and night, the Bible says. And when you do that, you'll begin to produce some fruit. So now instead of me meditating on going off on you, I meditate. The Bible says, love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Let no ungraceful word come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Now I meditate on that I'm salt of the, I'm salt of the world. I meditate on I'm the light. I meditate on that the Bible says love is patient and love is kind. That's what I am meditating on. So guess what? When the opportunity comes for my spouse to say something silly, then guess what? Because see, whatever you think about the Moses, what you see, some of y'all, see. see." I married him and I shouldn't have married him. I should have just stayed single. I could do bad all by... M- I'm talking to somebody. You look at your name and say he's talking to somebody right now. <laughs> I can do... But you just said it yesterday too. I can do bad... I'm talking, You said it to yourself because you ain't crazy enough to say it out loud because you got too many bills. <laughs> I can do bad all by myself. So you meditating on that? So now... When it's time for you to be nice, when they ugly, you can't. Because all you're thinking about is he a dog, his mama a dog, his daddy a dog. Well, you keep calling him a dog, you're going to have to buy you a flea collar. <laughs> you got to meditate on the word day and night. And then after you meditate on it, you got to saturate that word. That's where that crock pot come in. You let that word simmer. You think about it, you see it, you dream it, you meditate. See, you gotta, see, let me show you how to. You see it before you receive it. Just like you saw yourself fighting that person and you ended up fighting them. I don't know who I'm talking to. Somebody trying to fight. You're too old to be fighting. Somebody this week trying to have, a, oh, I don't know who I'm talking to, trying to fight this week. You're too old to fight. Fighting ain't going to prove nothing anyway. Even if you beat them up, you lost in the spirit. And you let that thing simmer. And then after, you let it saturate. So if somebody put a spiritual needle in your vein, the word comes out you'll be able to have a testimony like Jesus where the word became flesh. Because you are the only walking Bible people will ever read. Where they can look at your life and say, "I something different about them. I don't know what it is. Something, something different about them. They don't know what it is yet. But they'll be able to see it in manifestation before you say it. Because half of us, we say it and they don't see it. That's called a hypocrite. Look at your name and say, he ain't talking to me. Now look at him again and say, he might be talking to you though. Here's the last one. After you saturate that word inside of you, scripturally, what goes in has got to come out. And the next step is you got to now communicate that word. Jesus said, you will have what you say. Faith comes when you hear it, but it's released when you say it. That's why you have to say what you believe. God even, he used his own principle. He said, let there be light. And the Bible says there was light. Well, if Jesus had to speak the word for it to come to pass, if God had to speak the word for it to come to pass, then you and I have to speak the word. And so if you've been meditating in it, it's saturated in you, you need to open up your mouth and begin to say, Father, I thank you for my new call in Jesus name. I mean, you could be on the side of the highway walking when that joker done broke down. Lord, I th- they rather think. go pick him up. He look like he having problems. Lord, I just thank you. you walking down the highway just like this. Lord, I thank you for my new car in Jesus' name. I declare that it is paid for. I have the damn payment I need. I got the credit. I have the favor. I have everything. You know, Lisa Fuller, my assistant, got hit about a couple of weeks ago. And uh, when the person hit him, they pulled out this false insurance to say they had it. So when she called, they had no insurance. So then her insurance took over and they said, well, we can fix your car. She drives a Mercedes. "Uh, We can fix your car. And then when when she told me about it, I was like, okay, well, and then she was like, Pastor, I want a new car anyway. And then they called and said, ma'am, we're sorry. We can't fix your car. It's total. Then she was like, Pastor, now they're telling me my car is total. I was like, what do you mean? You said you wanted a new car. I mean, do you want one or not? (laughs) Well, do you want it or not? When you begin to communicate it, let me tell you what happens. God has just made this world to obey what you say. Everybody just stand up for a minute. Just stand up for a minute. Stand up for a minute. Now sit back down. The only reason I ask you to stand up is to show you the power of my words. Hello? Hello? Say, I was gonna give you nothing. I didn't ask to beg you to do it. I didn't have to cry. I just asked you to stand up and you did it. Well, guess what? If you will just say it, it will begin to happen. So, with every head bow, I'm gonna finish this next week and every eye closed. You may be here this morning.